acknowledgement of our Creator. And as a nation that was formed and founded on God, God has blessed us in the same way He's blessed His people in the Old Testament. I think this is very fitting, even though it's written to Jewish people in the Old Testament. Isaiah 26, I read this, and I think about the United States of America. It says, O Lord, you have made our nation great. Yes, you have made us great. You have extended our borders, and we give you glory. Amen? Praise God. I see the United States right there. This morning, I want to speak on this topic. God made you free. Let's pray right now. Jesus, we love you, God. We are so grateful, Lord, that you are here today. We're so grateful to be able to worship you and lift you up and love you and exalt you. Lord, help us. Help our hearts and minds to be open to your word today. I just know and I'm confident you're going to speak to someone both in person here today, online, and not even just online live, but online later, Lord God, that you're going to allow this message to live on and just have an impact in people's lives in Jesus' name, amen. For as long as Americans can remember, the nation has celebrated the 4th of July by staging grand fireworks shows in public squares and lighting smaller displays in people, at people's homes, unless, of course, you are friends with the Munoz family. Then you know you don't have to settle for small. But uh, why do we commemorate Independence Day by setting off thousands of of small explosions? Well, short answer is because John Adams wanted us to. Before the Declaration of Independence was even signed, he envisioned fireworks as part of the festivities. In a letter to Abigail Adams on July 3rd, 1776, he wrote that the, the occasion should be commemorated with pomp and parade, with shoes and shows and games and sports and guns and bells and bonfires and illuminations from end of this con continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. Now, I'm pretty sure we'll have some of this games and sports and bells and bonfires and illuminations. I'm not sure about guns. If we do, you'll have to sign a waiver before you do any of that, but... The first commemorative Independence Day fireworks was set off on July 4th, 1777. The Pennsylvania Evening Post wrote that in Philadelphia, it says, and I quote, the evening was closed with the ring of bells, and at night there was a grand exhibition of fireworks, which began and included, concluded with 13 rockets on the commons, and the city was beautifully illuminated. The paper noted that everything was conducted with the greatest order and decorum, and the face of joy and gladness was universal. If you like fireworks, tonight your face will be filled with joy and gladness. If you don't, you'll be filled with something. But that same year, fireworks also lit up the sky in Boston, and by 1783, a large variety of fireworks were available to the public. While some historians have suggested that India first invented fireworks, modern fireworks seem to come here by way of China. Now, most early fireworks were simply repurposed military munitions fired for entertainment rather than frightening or killing an enemy. In the 12th century, the Chinese improved the burning fire arrow, a long-established weapon, by affixing small packs of gunpowder to it. It's like they knew David Huey, if you know he lets off those things with gunpowder. It's just boom. 
But from there, it was not long before they invented rockets, simply stuffing a container with gunpowder and leaving a hole in the end for propulsion. I hope I'm not teaching any of our youth how to make their own fireworks. If so, it's on Pastor Chad. But today, though, fireworks are now a well-established July 4th tradition. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, $296.2 million worth of fireworks are imported to the U.S. from China. Caesar's got like $200 million, but $296 million. But Independence Day as a whole is a lot more than fireworks. We celebrate American Independence Day on the 4th of July every year. We think of July 4th, 1776 as the day that represents the Declaration of Independence when the United States became an independent nation. But here I have something for you. July 4th, 1776 was not the day that the Continental Congress decided to declare independence. That was on July 2nd. 1776. Be honest now, how many of you knew that? All right, you got some, got, got a couple smart cookies in this place. It was not the day, July 4th, that we started the American Revolution either. That happened back in April of 1775. And it wasn't the day that Thomas Jefferson wrote the draft of the the first draft of the uh, Declaration of Independence, that was June of 1776. Um, it wasn't the date that Declaration was delivered to Great Britain. That didn't happen until November of 1776. It wasn't the date that it was signed. That was August. So what did happen on July 4th, 1776? The Continental Congress approved the final wording of the Independent Declaration of Independence on July 4th. 1776. Why? Because, well, you know, imagine a, a group of people who are passionate about their freedom, all working together. Anybody here, you ever get placed on a job or on a, something where you had to work in tandem with somebody? It was in middle school, grade school, high school, college, university, on your job, in ministry, where you were placed on teams where you had to share ideas and come up with a final product. Anyone? How does that usually go? Usually you put people from all walks of life, they come together, and within 10, 15 minutes, you all agree on, on the, what needs to be done, right? No, no, no. You're in college. You're always put with that one person. You're like, why are you on the You aren't doing anything. You do nothing to make this group better. You're late to class. We give you stuff. It's not done, and you get an A with us. Anybody ever deal with that? Okay. Any of you, the person that, uh, no, no. <laughs> like, carry your weight. This is therapeutic for me right now. But, you know, that, that you put all these people together and they're supposed to come up with, I mean, this amazing document. If I would have been on this team, I would have been stressed out of my mind. Like, uh, okay, this might live forever. And guess what? It did. How do we want to word this? You think King James English is tough to understand. You ought to go back. When's the last time you read through the entire Declaration of Independence? You'd have to read it. They need a, they need a new living translation of the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> no, July 4th, 17th, that became the date that was included in that fancy handwritten copy that was signed and that is on display at the National Archives in Washington, D.C., well, it was until Nicolas Cage showed up.
Some of you are like, what? In this document, men from the original 13 American colonies came together to formally adopt a document that listed all of their grievances against the British government and announced their independence from them. Now, you can see why this might take a little time to formulate. Imagine, hey, let's get together and list all of our grievances to this nation we've been enslaved to. Uh, can I go first? Right? And so they began to list all of these things. And so uh, the document became known as the Declaration of Independence. Now, the most famous portion that you would recognize, probably, unless you're a historian, you know all of it. But here's what we'd probably recognize. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of, of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new, institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Beautifully written. It goes on from the declaration, from that, that portion, it goes on to list 27 different grievances. 27 grievances against the decisions and actions of George III of Great Britain. To just begin to formulate it and say, okay... Boom, 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 boom. 27 different things. So for these 27 reasons, we declare our independence. Thank God they did. The people of America would soon make up the nation that is known as the United States of America. And those people had enough. They longed to be free. They were sick of living under the tyranny of another power. Are you a free person? Well, I think most of us would sit here and go, yeah, thank God. I mean, like, yeah, you know, most likely you say, yeah, perhaps your answer is based on the fact that I can go where I want and do what I want. And nobody can tell me what to do. And, and we saw a little bit of pushback the last 12 months when people started saying, this is closed, wear a mask, don't go here, stay away from this, you can't travel. Americans are like, oh, no, you didn't. You know, because they, they, because well, oh, we Americans, we like our freedom and our ability to make choices and decisions. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Thousands of men and women have died at home and abroad while protecting our country from those who would oppress us. And they have fought to liberate us. Has anyone here served in any form of the armed forces at any point? Please stand. Thank you. Thank you. You see, freedom is always an expensive proposition. There's always a cost. This is especially true in a spiritual sense. 
And it's important to remember something. God created human beings to be free. Certainly spiritually, but also physically. <clears throat> well, yeah, but the, the Bible talks about slavery. Well, yeah, sin messed some things up. You will never find in the Bible where God says, I want a human being to be enslaved to another human being. Not the will of God. God created human beings to be free. Many people think they have liberty because no one questions their activities or hinders them, yet they're in all kinds of bondage. Anger, stress, bitterness, unforgiveness, depression, anxiety, fear, these things can imprison people. While a country can experience liberty won on the battlefield, no nation is free until its people are free. And no person's free unless he or she is free on the inside. You look at what John records. Jesus says in, in, in John 8, 31, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples. And check this, look, if you remain faithful to my teachings. So a key component of discipleship is remaining faithful to the teachings. And so that's a key component. And, and it says next verse, it says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I know we're here going, man, I value, anybody value their freedom today? But guess what? We're all free. But you can make choices today that will ensure that you're not free tomorrow. There are people on the 4th of July, no doubt just based on sheer statistics, that are going to go to someone's house today, consume a large number of, of alcoholic beverages, and get into a vehicle and go drive somewhere. And people are going to be hurt, injured, arrested, pulled over. Because they made choices as a free person that did not. If you said, you know what, today, you know, I live in this house, but I kind of like that house down the road. And I like that one over there, so I'm going to go in and help myself. I'm going to go take a nap on their bed today. I'm a free person. I'm going to go wherever I want. Tomorrow, by, by the end of today, you will no longer be a free person. Because you made decisions as a free person that when God says, hey, the, 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 you've been truly made free. You're free indeed. But there's a key component. You've got to continue in my teaching. Yeah, but... Living for God is so restrictive. Well, yeah, so is that person's fence down the road. So is the red light that says you need to stop here when this turns to this color. You can say, I'm a free person. You ain't going to tell me what to do. You ain't going to be a free person very long. And so God has given you freedom, but you have a choice about whether or not you're going to continue in those teachings and remain free. Because your choices can put you back into a, a prison, bondage. And then he goes on, and, and they're sitting there going, <laughs> he's speaking to these Jewish people, and, and they go, hold it. We are descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to nobody. 
What do you mean, set us free? If this doesn't sound like an American attitude. Man, man I, I love the United States of America. And I think, we're the, I think it's the greatest nation. Man, I love it. I'm so thrilled to be a part of it. But we are sometimes, we are arrogant. We're arrogant. And this just reminds me of, the, no, well, but I, I'm a, look at my bloodline. I'm a child of Abraham. I, I've never been, been in no bondage. You're kidding me. And in a message like this, we got to be real careful because guess what happens? We start thinking about being enslaved to sin, and we're going, hope there's a guest here today. Hope there's a backslider here today. Hopefully, hopefully there's somebody here today that needs this. Because bless God, I ain't enslaved to nothing. I'm filled with the Spirit. I've been a serving ministry around here. But these Jewish people, these leaders that came from the bloodline of Abraham said, oh, I don't those are the very people, very people that Jesus was reaching for at that moment. He's saying, hey, you've been, you've been free indeed, but you need to continue in my, continue in my plan and my ways. Oh, we ain't, no, no, you got it wrong. And then look what he says next in verse, 33, or verse 34. He says, I'll tell you the truth, any, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Now, Let's just do this. There's some power in this. If you have ever sinned in your life, raise your hand. Keep it up. Take a look around. Look around. And if anybody doesn't have their hand raised, you got to get with them and live whatever life they're living. Well, because what, the Jews needed the gospel. They didn't think they needed to be free, but here, here's the thing. It's impossible for you to break free from the slavery of sin when you don't view yourself as a slave to begin with. It's impossible to say, I need to break free when I say, well, I'm already free. There's nothing that I'm in bondage to. Now... Jesus says, anybody who sins is a slave to sin. He says, a slave is not a permanent member of a family, but a son is a part of a family forever. So if the son sets you free, you're truly free. The Lord never wanted any of his people to be in bondage to anyone or anything. He created you free. He made you free. And then you look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything's good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Now, I touched on this yesterday. See, this is where you look in Scripture and even about substances. Where is the Scripture that says, thou shalt not have a 12-pack of Bud Light? It's not there. See? So guess what I'm doing for the 4th of July? No. Because when the scripture talks about these things, it says when God, when God he says, I want to make you free. I'm going to come in and your body is going to be the temple of my spirit. I'm going to give you a sign. You're going to speak in other tongues. You're going to have a sign that now I'm indwelling in that temple. I don't want you to defile that temple. And that temple that I fill, I don't want you to bring it under the power or enslavement of anything other than my spirit. 
because I want you to become my bondservant. I want you to become a servant of me and my spirit, and I want to lead you. But when I willingly take anything or a substance and say, I'm going to put this in my body, and that substance begins to control or make me lose control of the way I think and speak and act and faculties. He's saying, hey, I'm, I can't become enslaved to anything. I'm not going to willingly give anything power over my body, this temple that God's spirit now dwells in. And so the principles are there for me to teach and preach that I'm going to stay away from anything that can change or enslave me. And guess what? That can be relationships too. And so Paul says, I, I, I can't become a slave to anything. Why? Because whether you're in the Old Testament, the New Testament, God's principles are always the same. And it's this. I don't want my people enslaved to anything. I want my people free. What was God's purpose in liberating us, though? Well, we can easily find at least 27 reasons why the Americans wanted to be free from Great Britain. Just read the Declaration of Independence in its entirety. But what about God? Why would he take on flesh to make his people free? Well, your first answer, you might say, well, yeah, to go to heaven. God took on flesh because he wants, he wants us to go to heaven. And certainly that is an end goal. But I would argue with you today that God did not take on flesh. God did not die on a cross just to get you to heaven. He did not say, yeah, I'm going to go shed my blood. Hey, guys, all right, blood is shed. You're covered. I hope to see you again a few years down the road. That's not, I think that is a byproduct of that, and I think that's absolutely in God's plan. He wants to spend eternity with you forever. But here's the thing. He longs to conform us to the likeness of his image. So he says, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you, and I want you to walk where you begin to reflect who I am. And guess what happens when you allow God's spirit to work in you? You're a disciple of him. You're molded and shaped in his image. The heaven is going to be a natural byproduct of this journey. That's why he doesn't just say, you're baptized, you're filled with the Spirit, boom, let me just take you now. No, because now you're on this journey of discipleship, of sanctification, of where I'm now walking in that. I'm letting that Spirit of God mold and shape and sand off the rough edges of my life. Look what Paul writes to the Corinthian church when he speaks of the new covenant in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 3, he says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away, for the Lord is the, is, a, is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty or freedom. That's what we believe in as American life, liberty in the pursuit of happiness. Well, this is the way God created us. He's saying, I, when I put my Spirit in you, there is liberty, there is freedom, there is freedom for you, and when my spirit's there, there's nothing that can enslave you. Nothing has the authority to put you back into a life of enslavement to anything. 
And so when he puts his spirit in us, it wasn't a get out of jail free card just to get to heaven and uh, oh, I'm, avoid the bad place, go to the good one. Good, that's it. No, his spirit is there so that when I walk in my daily life, all of the things that try to put me back into bondage, no, 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 you are not welcome here because I am filled with the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is an absolute freedom and liberty as I'm molded and shaped into his image. God's Spirit brings freedom. God has always wanted His people free. Not only so we would not be slaves here on earth, but so we would never be slaves to sin. So He sends that Spirit. This is why Paul goes on to say this in verse 18. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of our Lord. That was the goal. Heaven is absolutely, we need, he says, except man is born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Don't say that I'm not a believer in that. Absolutely, we're going to heaven. That's the end goal. But it's a byproduct of the journey. It's saying, Paul's saying, I, I, he put his spirit in us. Why? Because we're, we, uh, the, when the veil's removed, though the people who have the spirit of God makes us more and more like him, we're changed into his glorious image. And then it says at the beginning of humanity, when you go back to the way back to Genesis 1, we can really get deep in theology. But when you look at the very basic, basic thing, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, he says, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. And then he goes in verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. So what, at, what was the first reason he created us? He created us in his in his image. That was the very basic essence of our existence. We were made to be in the image of Jesus Christ. Sin, it, it messed that up. So then he says, I'm going to give you a new heart. Replace the stony heart of flesh. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. Well, why? Just to get me to heaven? Absolutely. That's one of the reasons. But I'm going to put my spirit inside you so that each and every day I can mold you and shape you and make you exactly what my goal was in the very first place. I want to make you in my image. I want you to reflect who I am. Anybody like that? You know, like when people look at your kids and you're like, Man, she don't look nothing like you. She looks like her mom. She looks like her dad. She looks nothing. He don't look anything like you. You know, they don't mean it sometimes. You're like, shut up. I played a role in this process, all right? Hush. I want, I want him to look a little bit like me. Come on now. Hopefully they're better looking, though. But, but you know, like God, he says, I, I want you to reflect me. I want you to reflect my image. I'm going to put my spirit in you. His plan has always been that we reflect his image. That's what holiness is. When he says, I, there's nothing you're going to do that's going to earn. Oh, I, I did this. I wore this. I didn't do this. I didn't listen to this. So you owe me one. Oh, God, that's not holiness. Holiness is where, okay, God, you filled me with your spirit. I've spoken in tongues. Your spirit is indwelling in me. I have the sign that I've received it. But God, now every day, I want love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faith, and self-control. I want these things. I want to begin to have you just mold and shape who I am. That everywhere I go, I reflect who you are to this world. Because if, if I do that, I don't need to stress about heaven or hell. Because I'm going to be with my creator forever when I live a life that I'm reflecting his image. 
But the key to reflecting his image and thus making it to heaven or hell is to not allowing myself to be enslaved to anything or anyone in this earthly journey. Because if I am enslaved to something or someone, I am not walking in the image of Jesus. Because Jesus Christ was never enslaved to anyone or anything. He, he is the most powerful God. There's, not, there's no one that can take dominion. Oh, what's the opposite of black? What's the opposite of clean, dirty? What's the opposite of, 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 of God, devil? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Nothing is God's equal. No one, nothing has ever had the authority or dominion over God. So when he says, I'm going to put my spirit in you, guess what? Nothing or no one ever has authority or dominion over you. And so if we're going to walk in this way and we're going to reflect his image, then we can't willingly be putting substances into our bodies and, and, and getting in relationships that are addictive that we can't even, oh, yes, God sent me this woman. God sent me this man. We ain't been to church in seven weeks. Well, yeah, we've been spending time with each other. I'll tell you right now, I don't even know the person. That's not the will of God. His plan was to be made in Israel, and when we reflect his image, his spirit shines through us. We walk in freedom. Why? Because the spirit of God can never be bound or enslaved by anything. And when we have his spirit, we have that. That's why when God takes, I'm going to take on flesh, Jesus Christ steps up in, 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 the, in the gospels. In the very first public message he preaches, he stands up in a temple, and he begins to read the words of an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah in Isaiah 61. And he says what? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. First message, here we go. He says, he's anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me to bind the brokenhearted. And what else? To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Because the very essence of the message of God, he, he, and that's why when he reads this in the gospel, he, he reads it and he goes, in this day, the scripture is fulfilled. And then they wanted to kill him because they understood what he was saying. And so he steps on the scene. He says, I'll tell you while I'm here. Isaiah prophesied about it hundreds of years ago. Y'all living in some prison. We ain't living in prison. We're the people of God. We're the Jews. We're the descendants of Abraham. That don't mean you're not enslaved, church. Yeah, but we have the bloodline running through us. I'm spirit-filled, baptized in his name. I serve in ministry. You can still be enslaved. And he says, but I'm here to tell you that the message that I bring to you is I am here to set the captives free and open the doors to the prison. I, I can't imagine that if you open the doors to the prison of the surrounding areas, there's probably not too many people that are like, no, I'd, I'd prefer to stay here. Maybe if they don't have anywhere else to go. But for the most part, you're going to have, are you for real? I can go? I'm free? I've never spent time in prison. But I can't imagine that feeling of, of when you walk through those bars and gates and they hand you your stuff and you are, you're free once again. 
to walk away and walk out of that place. When God, he shows up, he says, I got my first message for you. And here's what it is. I want freedom, liberty for the captives. I want an open door to the prisons that have been holding you. God made his people free. Ask yourself, what right now is preventing God from flowing freely in your life? What is it? What is that thing? Is it a relationship? Is it fear, anxiety, depression? Is it substances that you've been trying to just like, oh, yeah, that's not that big of a deal. I, I used to do this and I do this. Like, no, no. What substance are you putting in your body that you're putting in your body that is enslaving you? What things are you viewing? What, what, who, 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 who's the relationship? What, what is it that is keeping God from being who God wants to be in your life? Because at the end of the day, we can sit here and we can say, yeah, but I'm fighting. Lord, God, help me just to fight the battle, God. Lord, anybody ever pray that prayer? Lord, I'm fighting. God, help me. Lord, help me to fight, Lord. And, and, and I just wonder when God listens, if he's like, let me get this right. You're asking me, who filled you with my spirit, to help you fight a battle that I actually already fought and won. I fought the battle on Calvary. I defeated death, hell, and the grave. My spirit is never under dominion to anyone or anything. And so I put my spirit inside of you. And where my spirit is, I already told you, there's liberty and freedom. And you're begging me, no doubt. I know that some addictions and some things are very real. But God's already broke that. And so, for you, whatever the issue is, if you're struggling with that, he already said, I, I came to preach the opening of the prison doors. Those doors to that prison that you, you're living in, the doors are wide open. You're free to walk out of that. You're free to leave that place today. I believe in counseling. We'll, we'll pay for people with counseling. I'll counsel. I, absolutely. I believe in a mental, emotional, physical health. Absolutely. But God can do something at this altar today that 12 weeks of counseling cannot do. And it starts with a revelation, a realization in your heart that, wait a second, I'm sick and tired of this. I got the Spirit of God. The Word says where the Spirit is, there's freedom. But yet I'm begging God to set me free. And he's going, I already did. You're living in that prison because you choose to live there. The doors are open. You're free to go anytime you want. But you don't understand, 
But you, and we want to start telling God he don't understand about what we struggle with, how long we struggle for it, how hard it is, how many times we did it, how our life is going, the situations. We're trying to tell God this like he misplaced us. And God is going, in the Old Testament, I wanted you to reflect my image. The New Testament wants you to reflect my image. I put my spirit inside you so there's freedom. My first message, I tell you, hey, I'm here. You know why? Set the captives free. Open the doors to the prison. God's will has always been, always, always, always been that his people would live in freedom. So what is it? What is in your life right now that is making you not live free? Yeah, but those churches, they require so much stuff, and you got to do this and do that and do this. You're looking at it wrong. Sorry, you probably had a bad experience at some church. To me, what holiness is, my God, you filled me with your spirit. I want to reflect your image. I want to make changes in my life. I want to grow with you. I want to grow with you, God. Yeah, but I just don't like all the regulations that come with the word of God. Anytime there's anything healthy... Like I said, you don't like regulations? Feel free today. Head on down. There's some nice houses up the road. Just go and walk in. Make yourself comfortable. Take a nap in their bed. You find out that boundaries are a part of life. And so when God, he, thank God that he writes out these things and he says, here are my expectations. Here, here's the way I want to save you. Here's what happens if you obey. Here's what happens if you don't. I want to tell you about how to live life. I want to tell you about how to pray. I want to tell you about how to forgive one another. I want to tell you about how to be a church. I want, uh, he, he lays all this out, and it's beautiful. But at the end of the day, there are some people that never give free, get freedom because it takes a certain humility to say, I'm enslaved. I'm struggling. Even pride itself, right? Pride's one of those things. Oh, yeah, the, they're saying, we're Jews. We're the children of Abraham. I'm American. Pride, we, we, we can see it so well in other people. Even now, you're like, man, he's talking about pride. Hopefully she's listening. It's never us. It's never me. Talking about being enslaved to someone. Well, yeah, I mean, I messed up a little bit, but I'm not enslaved. That's for somebody else. And if we're not careful, we continue to live in the prison cell where the door's open, but we live there because we assume the message is always for someone else. And so there are men and women of God who are filled with his spirit, who he says, oh, where my spirit is, there's a liberty, there's freedom, there's power, there's authority. They just keep begging me to break them free. And I already did. Whatever you're struggling with, online, in person, you don't have to ask God again to set you free. He did. He did. Yeah, but I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, I'm taking substance, I'm addicted, I'm in this relationship. Listen, God set you free. Prison doors are open. You can get up and walk out today. 
society says, yeah, but statistics, no, and I haven't had counseling, and I, I, I'm taking this medicine, and I'm, uh, there's all these reasons why we can take that stuff and say, hold it. But God said, that's not his plan for my life. God has always wanted freedom. And it starts when he puts his spirit in you. Maybe, and I'm telling you, I felt this yesterday. I feel it again today. As I'm, I'm about to, to close. Maybe, the, I feel like there's someone. This ain't for everybody, but someone. You actually need to make a list, just like our forefathers did. 27 grievances against the person whose tyranny you've been uh, 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 experiencing. So what is it? It requires you to be honest with yourself today. Is it depression? Is it substance? Is it alcohol? Is it pornography? What is, what is it? Is it fear? What is it that you feel like, man, if, if I could have this out of my life, oh, man, I feel like I'd be a different person. I feel like I could walk in freedom if I had this out of my life. Guess what? If in your life you're saying, if I had this out of my life, I could walk in freedom, chances are that's not the will of God for your life. Because God's will is for you to walk in freedom. And so, if you're saying, yeah, but I, I, I just struggle a little bit with smoking. I just struggle a little bit with alcohol. I struggle a little bit with drugs. I struggle a little bit with marijuana. I struggle a little bit with pornography. I struggle a little bit with anger. I struggle with depression. I, I struggle a little bit with, with depression and, and fear and, and anxiety. I struggle with these things. Hey, God wants to do something today. He stepped on the scene and said, I'm telling you why I'm here. To set the captives free. To open the prison doors. Don't tell me that God, if you've never been filled with his spirit, he wants to fill you with his spirit. Why? Not just to get you to heaven, but so that every day you can walk in liberty and begin to reflect his image. So for someone, maybe it's not just an altar call. You actually, there's power in taking a pen and writing something on a piece of paper and saying, you know what? Devil, I'm sick and tired of the fact that I feel like I need to wake up up throughout the night to smoke a cigarette. I am sick and tired that I feel like when I start to shake, I have to shoot up and take some drugs to get me to calm back down. God, I am sick and tired. I'm putting a list of grievances on a piece of paper that says, today is the day that I declare my independence. I'm taking my freedom back where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty, and I've been enslaved for too long, for too many nights, in too many years that it stops here. Oh, would you stand to your feet? And you know what? This weekend as we celebrate this Independence Day, we remember the sacrifice. Oh, thank God for the sacrifice that was made so we can declare independence right here, right now. But the Lord will not liberate those who are content in bondage. Technically, you've already been liberated. It's already been paid. It's done. It's like walking back into Great Britain and saying, I'm sick of this. I want to be free. You may look people like, look, what, what, you are nuts. Somebody needs to help me fight. I, I want to be free. I don't want to be under these, these British people's 
enslavement anymore. I, I need some help. Like, dude, that, that battle was fought a long time ago. You're free. Go home. But yet we do that spiritually. I just wish, Pastor, I could be free. I just, ah, I'm struggling with this. Okay. Well, you're already free. You're already free. Prison doors are open, but you're still sleeping in a prison. You don't have to. But if you're going to be like the Jewish people, oh, no, you don't understand who I am. I don't need no help. It's fine. Your pride is the thing that locks your prison door. So what is it? Is it sin, addiction, anger, homosexuality, cheating, sexual sin, lying, fear, depression? What is it? What's that thing? God will make you free because he already did. He made you free. So what's the key? Don't wait another moment. Set that pride down and do just what the psalm talks about when he said, Psalm 118, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. What is keeping you in bondage right now? What is the thing or the things that make you feel like I just can't shake free? I would encourage you right now to come to this altar and to just bow a knee, raise a hand, and to cry out to God and put him to the test and say, God, if you answer their prayer and set them free, then I'm coming with faith believing that you can do the exact same thing for me today. Lord, I cry out right now. God, thank you for setting me free. Help me to walk out of this prison, to not sleep in this prison cell anymore. God, I'm done. I'm sick and tired of living as a person in bondage when the price was already... I'm I'm a free person living in bondage. This makes no sense, God. Lord, I rejoice right now as I declare my independence, Lord. 